colors of blue Shoots up through the stony ground Well, good evening. It's a Wednesday night, and that means it's podcast night. It's too rare in this town, you're out of luck And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend To take Yes, it's time for I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Well, you heard the man. It's time for football. Bloody hell. The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend Take you out of this place Someone you can lend The gang are all here Return for grace It's a beautiful day and We're here to discuss all the latest football topics Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Um, we're going to start with a new fairy tale. Have you heard the one about a nice little girl called Alison? And she lives in Blunderland. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about, listeners. <laughs> what, a, oh, what a shower. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. You got the gall to criticise Man United. Okay, so we'll let you gloat for five minutes, all right? It was. Actually, for an international goalkeeper of world-class status, it was some really shoddy, um, a shoddy performance, to be fair. I mean, one mistake, but then to do it again was just, it's quite unforgivable, really, isn't it? So it just goes to show at the top level those things can happen and makes him look like a park uh, goalkeeper. Well, no, I wouldn't. Even, the, I wouldn't the, class the, him in that sort of category. Myself. No, just saying, the Steve. There, they just look very poor at the moment, don't they? They look disjointed. Um, they, they're missing people in leadership areas, like straight down the spine, and um, you know, and it's it's disappointing really to see. I actually, we say how, how far Liverpool have come, but when you have a look at the depth of the squad that Man City have got, you know, and I think Steve would definitely agree. Like, you know, it's just a totally different league and um, they look very strong um, and I think both both Liverpool and um, Man United squads are not as strong as uh, or Tottenham's, they were near as strong as, as what Man City is and he's kept that uh, that flavour going, he's kept the momentum going and I think he's got Aguero to come back and uh, even Jesus is not playing full time so his, his squad's very very strong isn't it well, it is, yeah. I don't think anyone can, can argue that. But another thing that I think is, and I'm trying to be a bit more serious now because I've had my little gloat, um, but uh, <laughs> Klopp's whole attitude, certainly to the press at the moment, and then the last, well, I would almost say two weeks, really, but certainly one week, he seems to be, well, I don't know what to say, you know, niggly as hell, arguing, dreaming things. I mean, apparently your goalkeeper had cold feet, bless him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, come on, I, I, cold feet? Who's he yeah, trying I, to kid? 
Some people, some people suffer from with cold feet aid, you know, so much so that they can't even get married. You know, cold feet is a real problem for people. Mm, yeah. Well. No, not that. No. Okay. <laughs> um, you've but, got to um, admit that. Just, I mean, that is that, on that, though, aid. It's, that is tragic. Though, isn't it? <laughs> a a top-class manager comes out and says, well, maybe the goalkeeper had cold feet. I mean, come on, that is just... Uh, that's well, the pits, isn't it? The thing is, it, yeah, it is. Even as a fan, you're like, this isn't, this isn't great. This isn't great to listen to. But um, I would argue that everyone's kind of been through it, though, haven't they? I mean... Frank Lampard got quite prickly, and then not long after that, he then obviously got the chop. He had um, um, Pep Guardiola's got this kind of passive-aggressive kind of um, nature about him, but now things are going quite well for him, so things are a bit more chirpier. Uh, a few months ago, we were talking about how Jose Mourinho's back to his old charismatic self, but now that they're in a, um, they're having a bit of a problem. I think I think one of the Amazon Prime reporters asked him um, why Gareth Bell wasn't playing, and he replied, "Was you do you do not deserve an answer for that sort of question?" <laughs> so it's like every manager, I think, has got that kind of prickly edge in them, and it just kind of brings it out depending on how the results on the pitch are going. But um, absolutely, yeah, it's not absolutely. it's not particularly yeah, when, great when, from a little so perspective. When things are not going well. When things are not going well, you're a little bit more more um, tender, should we say? Agitated, aren't you? Yeah, agitated. Yeah. Are you Good tender, words. Mr. Yeah. Thorpe? Are you a bit little tender today? Are we? Bit, bit tender. Yeah. yeah, especially after that bloody result. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about it all, Were Steve? You a prickly, Steve, after a couple of bad results. <laughs> oh, I was prickly after a couple of good results. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I think that's the reality, isn't it? They're, they're under intense pressure now, and they've fallen a long way from the standards they had you know, six, eight weeks ago or at the end of last season. Um, but Man City, you know, Man City went through an awful spell until they got Ruben Diaz in, and then the one player seemed to galvanise them and, and you know change the, the structure of the team. So I, I think he'll be feeling very sensitive at the moment. He knows there's a lot of things they need to address, but it, it doesn't take a lot to get it back on track. Um, so, you know, they're good players. Alisson hasn't become a bad goalkeeper overnight. Um, yeah. And sometimes, to be fair, the journalists do ask questions that mean you just want to punch them in the face, don't you? Because they do ask <laughs> But who, yeah. who would you boys reckon, at the moment, is playing well for Liverpool? If anybody. Um, so, I'd probably say a um, couple of the younger players. I would say young Curtis Jones is looking quite quite promising um on the other side of that you, you always get a good sort of solid seven eight out of ten out of the likes of your your james milner type um but like thorpey touched on and um what steve was touching on as well that you know they've been they've been so good for such a long time like probably from the year i think they finished fourth and they got to the champions league final against real madrid and lost like they had um they had a really good um attacking season that season, but that was when Van Dyke only joined in January, so they were leaking quite a few goals until he came in. Then that following season they got ninety seven points, got thirty wins in the Premier League, but didn't win it, uh, but did win the Champions League, then went on to um 
blitz the league the following season. So they've had three seasons of quite good, like, well, I say quite good, really good consistency. But they've, you, if you look at the Champions League final squad that played against Real Madrid in 2018 compared to their squad now, there's not a lot of changes. And they've been so good for so long with the same team. I think naturally after a while, the new cycle does have to sort of come round again. And um, so that's why, it's, I don't know about you, Paul, but as a Liverpool fan, it's a bit difficult to criticise because it's been so good for so long. I don't think they're just suddenly really bad. I think just that level of consistency and that high intensity they've been playing at for so long has just dropped off a little. And therefore, yeah, it's really absolutely. noticeable because how good they've been. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the squad that's out there at the moment, it's nothing like the championship squad anyway. Uh, they're playing in different positions. You've got two central midfielders playing at centre-half. You know, I think that just shows the lack of depth in, in what we've actually got. You know, sort of got some people coming in doing a, a, a semi-good job or a very good job, you know, but um, actually as as a squad, I think we, you like to say, you know, four good, well, three, four good seasons, um, maybe they're getting sussed out a little bit and like to say, a little bit of freshness down again. I was asked this question by, by a friend of mine on the weekend after the game and it said, uh, well, maybe a freshness is, is, you know, we're now ready for that uh, little top up now and again. Do you think though yeah, that... What's his name? And also bring, Henry bring Ford. The... I was going to say, do you think... Sorry? What's his name? Henry Ford, is it? Or something? Your boss? Henry Ford, the owner. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Is it Henry Ford? John Henry. John Henry? I thought that was the name John... of train. Yeah. Uh, anyway, do you not think he's kind of, in a way, inadvertently chucked Klopp under the bus by saying, sorry, pal, I know you've lost all your centre arse, but you're not buying another one. Well, no, because they did, they did, they did bring in a couple of players, didn't they? At the end of the January, albeit okay, one was from Preston and one's an upcoming, up and coming person who is not proven at this level yet because he's playing for, you know, been playing for Schalke, who struggled in the Bundesliga. But I don't know. I I think it would have been difficult even if he was given say eighty, ninety million pound in January, because even if Liverpool had that money, no one's going to let their best player go in January. So it's going to be difficult to kind of even use that money to have been able to buy someone in of sort of a stature at that point. Anyway, I think. But do you, do you think, Steve? Do you, do you think that it's the right time to be spending money? The epidemic's there. Football is struggling. No, but that was clear before, though, wasn't it? If you, if you looked at them anywhere and you looked at the centre of defence, it was clear that nobody really fancied Dejan Lovren, so he was going to be moved on. They've got Gomez, who can be in and out, um, Van Dijk, who has been magnificent, and then beyond that, they didn't really have a lot else. So I can't believe they went into the start of the season without signing a centre-back, rather than leaving it to January, then suddenly you're forced to try and either do... As Hilda said there, you pay over the odds for somebody, or... You, you get somebody in like they've done, you know, like they said themselves, or we wouldn't normally be shopping in Preston. Well, you know, you've put yourself in that situation. So, um, well, I think it's interesting as well, Steve, like you're touching on a, the, um, the inflation um, sort of in January, especially when people know that you're after a defender as well. I thought it was interesting that uh, on transfer deadline day, it was confirmed that Matip 
was out for the season as well. But did you notice that they announced that after the window shut rather than before? Because it might have maybe up the price from Preston and Schalke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but, but they must have known that as well themselves that they were going to be struggling with him. So, you know, I can't understand yeah. what a club of that level haven't bought. They bought, you know, they bought Simicast, a left back from Olympiacos, didn't they, in the summer for what a six, seven million pounds. Um, and I'm not sure how desperately they needed another left back when you think that Milner can play there anyway and has done yeah. you know, regularly. Um, and as you say, he's always seven or eight out of ten in every game he plays. So, you know, I would have thought looking at it, they'd have probably said, well, actually, if we need cover anywhere, we need another centre back. And already got Jota as another front player. Um, you know, they've got people like Shakiri and Divock Origi and that floating around. But they're clearly deficient at centre back. And having problems, just as Man City had problems when they were deficient at centre back. You know, when people you can't get away from it, and you don't yeah. need Alisson or somebody to have a, a bad day, and those weaknesses get ruthlessly exposed. What yeah, did, what and, did you? Like, we're talking about cycle days. Like Manchester City lost nine Premier League games yesterday when, um, yesterday, um, last season when um, Liverpool won it last year. <laughs> so it can easily ebb and flow. It can, but I don't. I don't think there's going to be much catching them at the moment. I, I mean, you know, we're probably the closest, but I don't see us catching them. Not the way we're going anyway. Just chucking away oh, goals like that. But, but do you not think though that that was a bit amazing that Pep Guardiola came out and, or that sorry that Klopp came out and said <laughs> you had two weeks holiday. <laughs> I thought that was. You know, I mean, it certainly rattled old Pep. I think you could tell that. But you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because there was a lot of talk about how they were how riled each other up and stuff like that. But I don't know if you saw how they were with each other at the start of the game, like. There, there's obviously a mutual respect there from all managers, but it didn't look to me like two people who are really at odds with each other. I think it's just kind of how the makeup of press conferences work and stuff. And so obviously you can, if you're there to have your opinion and um, sort of counter what the other person says, but I, I, I don't ever think no matter what is said, I don't ever think there's really too much personal beef between managers. I don't know what you think, Steve, being involved with it. No, to be honest with you, I don't think you ever really get to know the other managers well enough, you know, because you're at a distance all the time and, and you're all trying to promote your own agenda. So you do say things that other people at times will think you're having a dig at them, so they respond because if they don't, you know, their fans and their, their supporters are saying, well, what are you doing about it? You know, so... Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that. I'm sure there are some characters who don't get on. That's the same in every walk of life. But generally, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's a professional courtesy, um, and you go through you know the process. You shake hands before the game. If you've got anything about it, you shake hands at the end of the game, and then you just move on. Um, but, you know, Steve, Steve, you know as well as I do, they like playing the press anyway, don't they? Of course they it's, do. it's almost like a little bit of a game. It's just you are, it's part of the process now. The, yeah. the media, you know, football has become an entertainment almost more than a sport, and it's all part and parcel of the packaging. It's like being yeah. a, a dame in the pantomime, isn't it? So the opposition can all boo you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I sometimes think they play, they play the press up, and uh, they, they, the other manager realizes that he has a little bit of a dig back because he knows that's the, the theatre of it. And um, you know, they say it's mind games. You know, Ferguson used to be brilliant at it used to wind up people like Kevin Keegan. You know, it's just become a bit more of a... Uh, to me, I just think it's just words just to, just to almost like wind the press up, really, more than anything. And, 
you know, to give them half a story so they can write something something stupid in the papers. No, I think we've talked about about this rubbish anyway. So I think we should move on, don't you? Um, so <laughs> this week's number two, who was number one, but he got displaced by Alice in Blunderland to number two in the charts is Mike Dean. Now, is it <laughs> is it just me? Every time that man gets out there, controversy seems to follow him. Every bloody game. I mean, what is it about the bloke? He's such a... Oh, dear, oh, dear. Incom incompetence, you mean? Yeah, that's one <laughs> of the things I would have perhaps touched on. Yeah, yeah. Um, this possibly a question um, to you, Steve. What, I'm interested to know what the, um, for want of a better word, the shelf life is of a referee because since I've been since I've been following football and watching top flight football, I can always remember Mike Dean. So he's obviously he must be one of the older referees we've got. But we've had a lot of other referees come and go in that time that have also been good, but for whatever reason they don't stay on for for whatever reason is it is it a personal choice do you know or do are you allowed a maximum of say 20 25 years and it's up to you if you want to fulfill that because it does feel like that mike dean's been around forever doesn't it <laughs> yeah uh, no i'm not really sure i mean i know that because of the grading system obviously they get graded and retained through a grading process and they either get demoted yeah or they, you know they get get promoted and then obviously some choose to leave and go abroad, don't they? Some have gone and, and run programmes in other countries. Um, and I'm not quite sure on the criteria for other than, you know, I don't know exactly what the specifics of the criteria are. But, you know, you look at Mike Dean and he, he, he's involved in so many controversies. You do wonder whether or not um, his personality is part of the problem. Because apparently, I think it was Mitrovic was saying, you know, it wasn't a foul by Suchek, don't send him off. It was, it was you know, it was a complete accident. And despite uh, that, he still said, no, I'm sending him off, I know better than you. And and so you just wonder whether or not it's just personality sometimes, you know. Um, he is the sort of person he is. Um, I've never had him referee a game that I've been involved in, as far as I know. Um, but he makes mistakes, and it's like everything else. I think people are looking for them now, and when he makes a big one, you know, people really magnify it now. But do you not think, of all yeah. people, that, that particular incident, um, I was going to bring it up in a minute, um, I've looked at it, and I know it's been rescinded now, so clearly VAR must have thought the same, but I almost thought he did hit him in the face. But of all people that you're going to hit in the face, somebody like Mitrovic is going to go down and get an Oscar yeah. for it, isn't he? And yeah. and he got an Oscar for it, didn't he? Let's be fair. Yeah, but I, I, we all know he just goes down like a, you know, a, a big fat, fat fairy, like, but he's it, for me, it was. It, there's no doubt that he hit him in the face. That's, that's that's absolutely clear. But he was trying to like bring his arm over, and there's a difference between going out and trying to strike someone with an elbow, which me and Steve have had done to us plenty of times, you know, and uh, and and just moving your arm there, and unfortunately you just catch him. And it was clearly the latter uh, of those uh, comments that that actually happened. And somebody who's been in the game as long as Mike Dean has, that he should have realised that and just got on with the game. But he's constantly going down the line for me, uh, looking for that controversy where he can get his 
you know, it was almost part of his DNA, I think, that mm. he's actually looking well, this for is, it. This is, the, this is the thing, isn't it, Paul? That, like, I know a lot of people have been saying, like, it should be, it would be beneficial for fans to um, be able to listen into the communication. I know that, you know, that there's, there's for it and against all that. It's a different debate altogether. But at least in that point of view, you would know whether it is Mike Dean making that decision or whether, uh, who was it, Lee Mason, wasn't it, who was on VAR, might have been saying to him, look, this is, you know, it's your call here, but this is what this is why we believe that you should be coming over to have a look at it. And so it might be that how that conversation goes about, which is how VAR comes into play anyway, because already that's putting doubt into it because nine times out of ten if a decision's been made on the field and then they go to the monitor nine times out of ten that then gets overturned because they go to the monitor because someone's flagged up that we're not sure if something looks quite right here so it'll be interesting who would have actually made that call but if you look at look at some of the other referees about there's 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 you know andre mariner for example or um um what's his name atkinson um there's, there's three or four who, who regularly appear to be reasonable people. Still probably incompetent in a lot of cases, but reasonable people. But you get others who I think, uh, Michael Oliver is one, he's a good referee, but he's he's almost virgin on the Mike, Mike Dean sort of state where I'm going to have you, I'll book you sort of thing. If there's anything doubtful, out comes the card. It's almost as though they enjoy doing it. The thing is, you got two things of this. One, I'm just very disappointed in Mitrovic for going down like he did. Uh, and I'm, if it was any player to go down that easily, you know, again, Steve and I have had many of elbow, but I, I didn't see us diving around too much, Steve. But there's also <laughs> the, initial, the initial reaction from the actual other player who caught him was, I'm really sorry, that I really didn't mean that. And you could quite clearly, it wasn't like, oh, I better act now and say, oh, I didn't mean that. It was an instant... And, and he's definitely not that type of player. Paul, you know, some people can get labelled, think, can't they? What do you think went through Mitrovic's mind? Because what I don't understand is that he did go down, like you say, but then he got back up, and then he said to Mike Dean, oh, no, 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 that's not a red card. So do you think he was trying to get Sochik sent off and then thought, actually, that probably looked really soft, so I'm going to tell the referee it was... I'm, yeah. I'm interested the fact that he went down, like, really badly, but then still told the ref it wasn't... So he kind of contradicted himself... Absolutely. ..with, with his theatrical call. It didn't he's, make any he's, sense. Yeah, he's definitely contradicted. I was what I was going to say, and you took words out of my mouth. I think he's contradicted himself. <laughs> One is reaction, and then he's gone, oh, uh, well, maybe actually... That wasn't that bad, and I went down too soft <laughs> yeah, to me. Exactly. I had to go and put my hands up and say that wasn't. And then Dean's gone for the old red card. But I'm, I'm, I'm pleased it's been rescinded, absolutely rescinded. But you know, I, I where Steve was going about the grading. I don't know how that works, Steve. And you know, but if it's on performance, how can he still be at the top level yeah. if that's the case? I, I, I don't know. As I said, I'm not quite sure how it works, but. You know, every time you see a tackle, there'll be a tackle on the halfway line, it'll be a good solid tackle, and a fellow will jump and scream even before the contact's made and jump in the air and scream and roll round. And it's almost like a natural reaction now to go down like you've been shot. You know, now if he's caught him in the face, it might not have hurt much, but some of it's that initial, like I'm just saying, there, that almost emotional reaction to the whole thing. 
But then if he gets up, you know, if he's trying to buy a free kick or whatever, if he gets up and says to the ref, listen, ref, it was just an accident. He caught me, but it, it, it wasn't a foul. You know, he didn't mean to... You'd think the referee would say, hang on a minute, normally they would milk this for everything they can get out of it, and a man advantage yeah. a massive advantage. And he's clearly trying to tell me that this isn't the right decision. So have a bit of humility, you know, and say, look, if he's getting up and saying it was an accident, it's, I'll give the free kick because he's caught him, fine. We said, sorry, it's not a booking, it's not a yet red card, get on with the game, take your free kick and, and move yeah. on. But it's yeah. almost like having done that, they're not prepared to listen. Um, and, and therefore they just compound their, their initial, you know, misinterpretation of the event. They compound it by sticking with a decision, which is to send him off. And, and then everybody, you know, there's all hell to play because it gets rescinded and everybody's now pointing the finger. So, um, does a player's reaction ever um, uh, dictate uh, a decision in that respect? And what I mean is if the referee is convinced that, uh, you know, for example, it was a penalty, I know sometimes you see players that have, have been really honest and been like, actually, no, no, he, he's not actually caught me. Um, I, I'm thinking Arsenal... Was it Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, and Robbie Fowler? Robbie Fowler's the and, famous uh, he, one, isn't and it? Fowler said, Fowler said, I, I wasn't caught, I wasn't caught. But the referee just gave it anyway, and then he ended yeah. up scoring the penalty, and was a bit like, well, I, he, the referee gave it. I said to him it wasn't a penalty, but he gave it anyway. It seems like that they can't be seen to have their decision doubted by the player, even if it is to kind of stop themselves from... It's a, it's a bit you know, like that sort of expression, in it, that little little boys should be seen and not heard. I always take a good referee as one that you don't really notice. I always remember that Mr Singh who used to do Yeovil's games. Do you remember him? And even though he had a bloody turban or he still wasn't noticed. You just He got on with the job, well-respected referee, didn't have any hassle, good referee. And, and he wasn't... Yeah. Whereas Mike Dean, he's got a bald head... He stands out like a sore thumb, or a sore head in this case, and hey, it's as though he wants... Bald head. <laughs> it's, that was a comment. <laughs> it's almost as though he wants to be the centre of attention all the time. You need I... to take that remark back, don't you? What? <laughs> Which one? Hey, old man. I'm feeling isolated now. I'm feeling very isolated. <laughs> Well, so you should after a performance like that on Sunday. But, but... Always wanting to be the centre of attention, Thorpe. <laughs> yeah. But don't, don't you think, though, he, want, he wants to be the centre of attention, even when it comes to, right, well, I'll walk over now and a very sort of distinctive walk all the way over to look at the cam the um, TV and the screen. I mean, to be fair, Aid, I think you've got to have something about you that's not quite right to want to be a referee anyway, to be quite honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's quite yeah. a, a power-hungry kind of uh, job to do, isn't it? It's like it's like saying to your parents that you want to grow up and be a traffic warden. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Or an income tax officer or something. I used to say to, to, Paul, I used to, say to Paul Durkin, he's short and he's ginger. Yeah, he had all the attributes, didn't he? God, dear. Hey, don't, don't you bring me into this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when you were going to spark up. Uh, yeah, it took a while to bite <laughs> there, Hilda. You certainly you did. did. You certainly did. But... Uh, it's a delay. It's a delay. <laughs> well, whilst we're on the subject of West Ham, um, they're going quite well, aren't they? They are. 
They are, yeah. and uh, Jesse Lingard is uh, fit, fit in quite well. Yeah, but, I mean... Um, I thought it was an interesting point, that um, some people, maybe this will be one for you, Abe, that people had written Jesse Lingard off completely um, because he wasn't breaking into a man, team at Man United, but people seem to forget that just because you're not making it in Manchester United doesn't mean you're a really bad Premier League player. It means you're probably still a very good Premier League player, but you just can't break into one of the very best teams. And some people were even questioning whether he could do it at West Ham United. But I think he's shown already that going into a club like that, established Premier League, Moyes has worked with him before, of course, in the short spell at Man United. I think he'll prove to be a really good signing, I think, um, Good bit of business on loan as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, turned into a permanent deal in the summer. To be quite honest, mm. well, he's fighting for his career, isn't he? Really, and um, you know, he's one of those players, sort of like I'm not sure what his age is, but he's certainly coming towards you know the, the latter part of his career. And um, not that old. I think he's about he, 27 or 28. Really? Mm. Yeah. Is that right? So think he's so. at the prime, really. Mm. So he's there. Yeah. yeah. He's at the prime, so it's now, it's now or never. If he wants to keep this, uh, you know, uh, Premier League status, he really has got to prove himself. And uh, like I say, Moyes has worked with him at Man United. He's coming into a good side with a little bit of confidence and uh, playing an amazing stadium. Uh, so why would you not want to be, be enjoying that? And I just um, think it's a great move for him, really, because, uh, you know, it's a very traditional uh, British club, like, you know, the founders, but... You know that's that's an exciting move for him. You know, not be funny if he does do well. There's, there's no doubt in in my mind that he could still um, possibly break into international level if he gets some form going. Well, he was quite good during his period of time player. when he did play for England, wasn't he? He, he was quite a good yeah, player he then. Did really, really. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. He was one of the first names on the team sheet in um, 2018, yeah, which wasn't that far long ago. He's got a little bit about him, and he's uh, the other side of it is that he does a little bit too much for me on Twitter, and he's got all these yeah. other yeah. Um, attributes outside of football going on. So maybe that went against him. I don't know, you know. It's, uh, but he's certainly got the attributes of a good Premiership player, and um, like you say, it could be one of the signings of the season. Mm, well, I hope he doesn't turn it up. Well, he can't tomorrow, can he? So that's all right. Don't have to worry about that. But. Um... I don't know. I thought I thought generally though I didn't think West Ham played as well as they have been against Fulham. Um, from what I saw of it, you know, they didn't look that that hot. Whereas before they've looked sort of quite quite solid, really. Yeah, but Fulham are playing some decent stuff, aren't they? You know, they got some good mm. players there, and he's working really really hard with them. And uh, they had a couple of chances, but they just you know they need a bit more, be a bit more ruthless at um, at Fulham. You know, it's unfortunate. It might be a season where he goes down, but I think as a manager, he's progressing really, really well. And I hope, I hope to God, they stick with him. I think he's doing a good job there. Yeah. Moving on, we're in London, so we might as well stick with uh, London. What do you think about Spurs? I mean, <clears throat> I was going to say I didn't realise he was coming back yesterday, but I was going to say, without Carry Kane, they are without any question a one-man team, and. Um, then he comes back and he scores a goal and they win again, don't they? But I mean, up to that point, Spurs have been struggling like mad, haven't they? And Jose, they're, looked, they're kind yeah. of a two-man. They're, they're a two-man team, aren't they? Because 
gone. Son relies on Kane. When when Kane isn't there, Son then plays through the middle with his back to goal, and it doesn't seem to work. When Kane's back in the side, Son then links up with him, and they both assist each other and score the goals. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's it's dangerous, but at the same time, Spurs have been relying on those two for the same amount of time, probably for the past four or five years, maybe. And they bring in these players um, to back up Harry Kane and Song on, on loan, or, you know, they had Lorente for a while. Now they've got Carlos Vinicius on loan from Benfica. But you're never really going to know how good these players are because they're never going to get a run of games. So um, that that would... Why bother to sign Harry... Um, not Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, then? Oh, well, that's a strange one, isn't it, that one? Because, you know, on paper, this time, you know, in the summer, we were thinking, cool, Bell, Son, Kane, that's a yeah. bit tasty, that is. Mm. But um, it's, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, what, do, what it's does, like you, Steve, Steve, what do you think of that situation? Because it's purely... It's, it's, there's obviously a bit of politics going on there with the bail situation because you know when you like, you know like Hilda said there that that opportunity to play son kane and you know and and bail as well is is what looked really mouthwatering really didn't it but uh, unfortunately it's not come to fruit and um you know it just seems you know and also what what does steve think about the old squad because the squad does need i think it still needs probably a good four or five players um just see what your thoughts were you just go back to the thing we we spoke about before, didn't you? I mean, I thought Tottenham took him. I'm not sure they did their due diligence because he, he clearly doesn't look like he's got any confidence in his own body to perform. And the slightest sign of a twinge or a niggle, he pulls up and he's out. So he's never going to get a run of games until he can prove his fitness. And he's never going to prove his fitness until he gets a run of games. And I just, yeah. don't, I just from what I've seen, I mean, I don't know the lad. Everybody tells me he's really... I just don't think that he wants... I don't think he wants to risk it. I really don't. And actually, it's a, you've got somebody sitting there that's a great name, but, you know, you might, for the abuse he's been, you might as well have Pelly sitting there. Because mm. he's hardly going to kick a ball. So you think he's still possibly injured? I just think in his own head, I don't think he trusts his body. I, I really don't. I, he seems to think every time you watch him move, he never looks like he's in full flow. I mean, if you remember at Tottenham when he scored that goal, it was against Inter Milan in the Champions League. And, yeah. And he was there before, and he broke from the own heart. He just ran away from people. It was frightening. And now, yeah. you know, with all due respect, I watch him, and I think you and me could keep up with him at the minute because he just doesn't look like he ever wants to let the handbrake off. There's, there's precedent as well, isn't there, Steve? I mean, there's so many players who have had similar kind of stints where they've, they've been so good for so long and then after a while they look a completely different player. Like, um, right off the top of my head, Fernando Torres brings to mind. Great great on the spin, could run away from a player, had a great touch, really good striker of the ball, and then yeah. kind of just fizzled out for Liverpool for 12 months before Chelsea even decided to sign him. So yeah. at the time, as Liverpool were losing someone of Fernando Torres, it was like, well, if you're going to give us 50 million for him, then happy days. Yeah. And, it yeah. and we'll, we'll, go really... spend, we'll spend 37 million on Andy Carroll. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. both bits of business as it turned out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but he but, went. Um, it does seem... 
Torres went really quickly, didn't he? When he went into Chelsea, he couldn't get going, and his career never got going again after that, in all, in all honesty. He had bit parts wherever he went, he was a bit part player. And I don't know, maybe Gareth's really comfortable now, he doesn't he? He hasn't had a lot of game time at Real Madrid, allied to injuries, he's clearly not match fit, and he's not going to get match fit at Tottenham unless he plays regularly in the Premier League, and he's not going to play regularly in the Premier League because he's not match fit. You know, you can get away with it if you're in Spain and you're playing Levante or Elche or something. You can stick him in 70% fit and he'll get through it. You can't do that away at Burnley on a Tuesday night. So they might as well send him no. back then. You know, let him go back and play some golf. Got, I think he's got one year. I think he's got one year left on his Real Madrid contract if mm. he goes back. So if he if his loan spell finishes in the summer, um, he goes back to Real Madrid, and then it's up to Madrid then whether they cash in or. Uh, he just stays there on that long contract for another year. Yeah. It's a shame. When you see him play for Wales, the games he has had for Wales, and he's looked like that's when he's reserved his best form for going and playing for Wales. And he wants to play all the time, you know, full credit to him. Um, and he performs to a different level then, but he, he obviously just doesn't trust his body to do it week in, week out. Steve, are, um, are Wales at the Euros? I know there's... Um, yeah, I know they there's, are, aren't they? I suppose, yeah. I know they're not sure whether they're going to... I know they're not sure or whether they're going to play it or not and it probably is likely that they're not going to play it or if they do it will be behind closed doors or it won't be across Europe or something but I just it would just be interesting to know if because he's such a talisman for Wales if he's in and out of that Spurs squad hardly plays and then he starts three matches for Wales at the Euros or something I just you, it wouldn't surprise me no well we wait and see that but like you say nothing surprises you in football to be honest Talking of Wales, though, what, what's what's going on with Wales after Giggsy was suspended uh, for so-called smacking his girlfriend or whatever? I mean, is he still manager of Wales or somebody else? Have I missed something? Not seen anything. Yeah, this was a little while ago. Wasn't, I can't remember who it was who took over as was it Rob Page or somebody who took could, over? Could have, could have been somebody like that. Caretaker yeah, but, for a couple of games. But I mean, is, is, I think because. I think because international football is so few and far between, I think you've got longer to kind of make your decisions on stuff. So it might probably might not have been announced yet. Mm, possibly. Maybe. Yeah, it just just seems. But uh, you're right. That... Uh, you lads, you know as well as I do. I worship the ground that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer walks on, but I'm beginning to have slight reservations. Purely, only one aspect really: the team selection. I mean, he seems to he seems to pick players that you just I don't know there are times when I think why is he playing him and David De Gea has been a disaster he was he cost us three points against Everton he's not been much better there's been two or three games this season where he's let us down so we've got Dean Henderson there I know he's going to play against West Ham anyway but would you play him in the Premier League you lads or what well I thought that was the whole reason why you brought him back in the first place was because you wanted those competitions for places and De Gea wasn't in a good space last season and it was, you know, going into the season it was still going to be De Gea number one but Henderson was going to be there to sort of step in if he did need to come out of the firing line and it should be a relatively smooth transition but for whatever reason he hasn't been given that opportunity yet um, he has played in some of the cup games, but um, he's not really seen. He has really been hugely tested yet. I don't think, from what I've seen of Dean Henderson so far, I think he might have played a couple of cup, um, prem games had he, he was injured at all. 
Um, I don't, oh, I yeah, don't, yeah. I, I yeah. don't, has he? Yeah, yes, I want to say he played against Yeah, yeah, he has played, yeah. Mm, well, yeah, I'm sure he has. But I mean, I'm surely now's the time, though. Aidy, there's two ways of looking at it. We all know the best side in Britain, right, uh, this season, right? It's all about seasons. Last season, it was definitely 100% Liverpool. You know, this season is definitely yeah. 100% Man City, right? So if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, we all love football because it's about opinions, and this is your opinion on the Manchester United scene at the moment. You know, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I said a long time ago that I felt he was doing a good job, but, you know, is he the long-term real man for the job? I'm not too sure. But if he finishes second this year, he he has done an amazing job to get, uh, you know, Manchester United back playing. Pogba looks like he's interested. you got Fernandes in the midfield. You get, you're getting performances out of people like Fred, you know, uh, your back line is looking a little bit stronger. Yeah, De Gea makes some mistakes and they and everybody jumps on his back and says, you know, he, he's probably one of the top four goalkeepers in, in possibly in the world. He's, he's had a bad time. There's no two ways. He's not been the, the best sign in Manchester United have ever, ever made. And are there better keeps out there? Absolutely, for sure. There's young up-and-coming um, goalkeepers as well. Pope's are fantastic. But... You cannot be disappointed as a Manchester United fan if you come second this year. Even though it's against, you know, you're, you're, you're one of your bitter rivals, the, the, he has progressed the football club into second in the league from last year having, a, a, you know, probably a, a disastrous year. So you've got to be happy. You've got to be happy with the way it's going, the position in the league, the players that are actually he's, he's buying are, I think, pretty good. He's now starting to get performances out of, of Pogba and other other individuals. You know, Shaw's been a revelation for you know for, for most of this season. You know, so it's absolutely getting Manchester United back to where they were, which as a Liverpool fan, I hate. But you've got to give him some credit where it's due. He's doing an amazing job. Oh, I so do. I, I worship now. him. I think he's brilliant. But I just yeah, but so. So when he's looking at nowadays, as you're tr constantly changing the squad, and Steve will be able to speak more about uh, you know squad rotation than I can, because I always like to play my strongest side, you know, and I don't, I'm not really a lover of this squad rotation, you know. But you know, ultimately he's done a great job. He's bringing that squad back to a level where you're actually saying you've got some decent players here now, you know, and he's getting performances out of people that Jose Mourinho couldn't. Get performance out. Mm. No, I agree. I think he's, you know, I, but you I just be extremely happy. I just again, think he's got a blind spot, though. Squad rotation. Sorry. I think he's got a blind spot where the goalkeeper's concerned. I really do, because he's, you know, he's, he's yeah. He just. What do you think, Steve? They do Monday to Friday, do we? We only ever see the, the the game on a Saturday, and we don't know how well Henderson's training in comparison. But you know, it won't just be Ollie. The people behind the scenes as well will be talking to him. Um, you know, you look at the third goal against Everton, and he, and he, def he definitely he, he should have come out and been a lot braver. He should have come out at Calvert Lewin's feet and, and cleaned him up and just made a massive block. But, but actually, have a look at Axel Tuanzebe's tackle. He's only been on the field 10 seconds, and he gives hmm. away the most stupid free kick in history. Then look at the way they defend the ball into the penalty box. You know, and I said to you a few weeks ago, Man United won't win the title because they don't defend well enough. Hmm. Um, and, and, and he has been part of it. I have to say, he's, he's been. 
substandard for most of the season. Given Henderson's performances from Sheffield United, you would I think you would probably be saying, if you're neutral, well, the kid probably deserves a run now. Mm. Well, I hope he does. I must admit, so I do. You, sorry, another question for Steve. Another question for Steve then on that on that front is that: Do you then feel that there is pressure from higher above, in, you know, behind the scenes, uh, saying no, you will play him because possibly what he's on, I don't know, contractually wise, and we don't know what his contract says. Do you think that there's pressure from behind? Well, it's similar. Sorry, Steve, but just wanted to throw in there as well, mate. That it must be similar to what happened at Chelsea because. Pepper must have been on big money and he was the most expensive goalkeeper in the world and he was making, okay, bigger rickets than maybe De Gea was, but it must be a similar kind of scenario to what happened at Chelsea when they brought Mendy in. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? You know, you, you make a decision, if you're going to back your manager, I mean, you'd like to think that if, if Solskjaer decides he wants to make a change of goalkeeper, then the board would just back him. they say, we pay you to pick the team and coach the team, you know, you get on with it. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult. He hasn't been as good as he was, as he once was. Will he come back? I'm not sure. Um, you know, and, and for me, Manchester United. I, I still don't know where they'll finish. In the, I'm looking at the table here. You know, it, it's so close now with the top eight, nine, ten teams. Uh, other than Man City, who seem to be pulling away a little bit. You know, Man United could finish second, or they could finish sixth. Really could. Okay, well, talking of Axel Tonzebi, we spent a long time last week discussing this racism. This, well, it's, I was going to say outbreak. It's not outbreak. It's been going on for months and months and months, hasn't it? But I see he got another dose of it on Saturday. So did a, one of the women uh, in Man United's team. Um, nothing's been done again. A lot of, lot of hot air been coming out. You weren't with us last week, Steve. What do you, you know, can you see a way forward with this? Can you see a way of getting, getting it stopped? Well, only what the people have suggested already. I'm, you know, I'm not a techie person. Um, as we get older, we're, we're less and less techie, aren't we? But, you know, make people declare details when they open accounts and have the details verified before they're allowed to action their account so that you can trace them back. You know, and it's, it's as simple as that. Just don't give people unfettered access to the internet so they can say what they want in total anonymity. You've got to be able to track it back to somebody and then hold them to account. Mm. Yeah, well, this is basically what we said last week, Steve. So that that that's that's nice to hear your your views on that because that's exactly just, what we were saying. Common sense, Paul, isn't it? You know, yeah. when, I was in, when yeah. I was in the police force, if there was a crime committed, unless we could track who did it, you couldn't punish anybody. No, and it's exactly the same process. But there are mechanisms in place that mean people can't get onto the platforms unless they go through certain you know access points, and that could be security checks, etc so that once they're on there, the details are recorded and they can be tracked for any traffic that goes through their site. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, I see the police are supposedly, or so the bloke in Parliament said, he's gonna, they're going to change the law. But, I mean, how long is that going to take? That's a trouble, isn't it? Yeah, depends how urgently they put, you know, where they put it on their list of priorities to debate in Parliament, I suppose. Mm, well, that's it, isn't it, really? Um... What about Thomas Tuchel then? Seems to have made a fairly good start. Um, three wins on the trot, I think, isn't it? Three wins on the trot. Yeah, I think I think I think he's he is a better manager than people give him credit for. Eh, to be quite honest, because I think there's a lot of pundits out there. I'm thinking Paul Merson. I'm thinking Harry Redknapp. That sort of 
kind of they don't really know too much about him so they just kind of do the whole oh well he was at Paris Saint-Germain and anyone can do that therefore he's not really good he's not a really good manager I'm like there's, there's a bit more to him than that like he was he was um really well respected when he was at Dortmund he was seen as a as a, sort of a close kind of tactician similar to uh Pep Guardiola he has been known to be that kind of um disciplinarian type figure where uh, sometimes if it's not working and people don't believe in his method methods then people will fall out with him um but sometimes that's what what Chelsea need though they go through these cycles and then suddenly they need someone of that help just to get them through a couple of seasons get back to winning trophies and then the cycle with Chelsea continues did well at did well at Dortmund. Yes, he um, he did he did leave there under a bit of a cloud. But again, it's because um, how he is with people, and um, so which is why I can only see him lasting a couple of years max. I know um, I think it was you, Stephen, mentioned it that um, you would it, it might have been yourself. Sorry if I got this wrong. That you wouldn't be surprised if he only lasted a year and then was was moved on. That, that wouldn't surprise me either. Not because he's not a good manager, but he um, he doesn't have an awful lot of patience, and he will speak his mind. And with the Chelsea board, you wonder if that's necessarily a match made in heaven. But uh, certainly going in there to start with, he's got a tune out of them. And um, what are they? A point behind Liverpool now, or something, or joint on them? It's ridiculous. Uh, point behind Liverpool. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. But they're no, they're they're back in the hunt now for top four. Who? Yeah. Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah, oh, I thought you meant Liverpool. Yeah. You missed no, that, didn't I mean, you, Hilda? I, <laughs> I think he's done okay. I mean, I wouldn't rave about what they've done so far, to be fair. I thought Tottenham were quite sterile in the game when they played on the other night. Um, yeah, they won at Sheffield United. Okay, that was all right. But Sheffield did create a couple of chances early on. Um, and, and you'd expect, with what he's got there, that you'd, you know, you'd ultimately expect Chelsea to be in the top six. So, if he finishes in the top six... He hasn't done any more really than he should have done, if, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, yeah, that's I, fair. You know, I just get that. I just get that. The hump all the time. At Dortmund, I think he won the cup, but he didn't win the Bundesliga. Um, and they've probably got mm. the second biggest budget in Germany, and they finished behind Bayern Munich, who've got the first biggest budget in Germany. So that's not any great shakes. Um, then he goes to Paris Saint Germain, and he wins the title at Paris Saint Germain with the biggest budget in France. So that's no great shakes. Um, and this will be probably the first time where he's in a, a league where there's six or seven teams with decent budgets who are all competitive. So I don't think it'll be this season you'll see if he's a good coach or not. It'll be next season. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. I wonder whether that's why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's not under so much pressure now because there doesn't seem to be anybody who's a, a sort of a, a direct fit, if you like, to go into United. Oh, okay. Who, who would do that job? I mean, like, you know, that, that's, that, that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, who would want that one? Well, there's plenty of people who want the job, but who's out there who's got the, the flair and dynamics to actually take Manchester United to that next level, to the top level? Mm. That's what they've got to be at. They've got to be at the top level. Well, the only one I can think of is what that... Great managers, what great managers and coaches are actually coming through? Mm. The only one I can think of is that Max Allegri. It might might fit the bill, but not that I'm suggesting he's needed. Yeah, he's been at work a little while now, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but then with everyone. 
the money that Sean they... Dyche. Hmm? They go, Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche. I wouldn't be adverse to the idea, but you and I both know it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. He's never going to get Chelsea. He's never going to get Arsenal. He's never going to get Tottenham because he's a gruff Midlander. And, you know, as you said earlier, we're not going to go back to the ginger hair scenario. But, you know, <laughs> why not? <laughs> if, if, you, if, you want to, if you want to measure somebody who's doing something and achieving more than they should, then, you know, you don't have to look too much further, do you? No. No, that's right. That's bay, right. He's done a great job at Burnley. An absolutely oh, fantastic terrific. job. Yeah. And, so, and so has Dean what? Smith at Aston Villa. Eleven clean sheets they've had. I mean, yeah, it, tremendous. Isn't it? And that's Brilliant. that Arsenal goalkeeper that they they let go. Which... Yeah, Villa now have the same amount of points as they accumulated in the whole of last season as well. Yeah. You know, again, got... he's building that squad nicely. I like yeah. the look of their setup. I like the look of their their yeah, midfield looks very strong, yeah. isn't it? If they win their two games in hand, they'll go above Liverpool in the fourth place. Really? On the that'd same be, That would be incredible. That would be... Yeah, incredible. wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be incredible? I'd love that for drone. It would be, really. <laughs> Didn't they beat them 7-2 earlier in the season? Something like that. Oh, I don't know. I must have been yeah. out that day. No, they probably deserved <laughs> yeah. a bit, but anyway. <laughs> so, so we... that Liverpool have next time. Are we all agreed that Fulham, West Brom and uh, Sheffield United are the three to go down? Can you see any change to that between yeah, them? It's, it's, it's interesting, eh? Because um, Steve made a good point that it is still close between a cluster of teams. But considering we're supposed to have this open season, I feel like stuff has actually been settled quite early because the form of Brighton has kind of almost sealed the fate of West Brom, Sheffield and um, West Brom, Sheffield and who's the other one? Fulham. Um, Fulham just draw too many games so they get a lot of playing work. They don't ever actually win any games and um, that's that's the real problem for them. If they turn their draws into wins it might be a different scenario. Um, so I think relegation and dare I say title might be wrapped up. It's just the case of who will sort of fall into those um, European, European places. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think... Yeah, I think it's, it's sealed now. I mean, they eight, is it eight points clear? Uh, <coughs> adrift, sorry, Steve, is it? Who? The bottom three. Oh, sorry, I haven't looked at that recently. But I don't I don't think, I don't think, having said what we said about Burnley, I don't think Burnley are a million miles away from it, are they, in terms of being down the bottom there? I'm not sure how far <laughs> clear they are for them, but... Yeah, I've got a table list. Yeah, so, um, yeah. No, go on, mate. No, it only takes a couple of games, doesn't it? And you just lose form at the wrong time and you can suddenly plummet. Well, well New, Newcastle aren't, aren't, aren't there, though, Steve. Well, they can't, can't relax. see Burnley being down there. Uh, oh, they've got too so much currently, Burnley, Burnley are the, um, one place outside the relegation yeah. space, okay. but uh, eight points. Yeah. I don't see them getting dragged into it. I, I, I think it's sealed already. But Burnley and but so do Burnley, so I don't know if they play each other. So that might be a good one. Newcastle can't relax, so I wouldn't have thought. They well, they're only two points further ahead, but then that makes it ten points clear of the relegation places, which is probably quite a lot to make up because we're not talking about <clears> points where both teams are likely to win their games. We're talking about teams that 
aren't winning many games. So I would imagine that 10 points is probably feels like more than that, if that makes sense, because the teams down there don't really have a lot of form. Mm. And then, of course, you've got Arsenal who could suddenly plummet down the way they're going at the moment. Send, you can't realistically see that happening. They've got too much about them, haven't they? Well, you would have thought that so. That would be absolute disaster. Yeah, they're on for... one point. Yeah, but they probably won't. But yeah. I'm just making the point, you know. But but I tell well, you there's what, still such a long way to go. You made the point the other week, Abe, that there's only 22, 23 matches that have been played so far. Normally, when you get to February, I'm sure we're normally a lot later into the season. So yes, at the same time, we are making these um, decisions based on the points at the moment. But there is still a heck of a way to go still. So who knows? Well, there is, and of course you've got you've got coming up now. We've got FA Cup starting this week. Um, Europa League starts again, and the Champions League next week, I think, isn't it? So that's going to take up you know some some uh, energy levels and players getting injured and what have you. So you know that yeah. could, that could change it as well. Because, um, yeah, you probably would have seen that um, Liverpool's game in Germany is now going to be in Hungary, and in the last few moments, it's been confirmed that Manchester City's game uh, playing München Gladbach will also be in Hungary as well because mm. um, Germany are not allowing anybody into the country. Yeah. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, chaps. Crazy year. The hour has gone, near enough. So, um, we better be saying cheerio, I suppose. Um, that's what happens when you've got a time limit. But uh, I can't believe you never mentioned the Super Bowl and Tom Brady. Wow. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> oh, my word. There, there. You're slipping. That's mm. all I can say. We've talked, we've talked darts, we've talked curling, we've talked synchronised swimming. <laughs> we've talked cricket. Yeah. You missed Tom Brady the Super Bowl. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, we'll give we'll give Tom Tom Brady twenty seconds now, and you've also got to give Joe Root twenty seconds because he did rather well over the. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, but no thanks thanks guys for for joining us. Um, forgive me for um, missing that uh, Tom Brady because of course his success might help Man United. I see that the Glazers have been muttering about they might go and buy a defender now on the back of that. So. Uh, <laughs> Because they own that Tampa well, Bay. Got, what, you're going you're to stick Tom Brady in your back four, are you? Well, it wouldn't do any harm, would he? You know, he, he's got to be quicker than um, quicker than Lindelof. But uh, anyway, um, Paul Thorpe, thank you very much for joining us tonight. My absolute pleasure. Take care and uh, may all the listeners stay safe and healthy. Absolutely. Hilda, good for jo- okay. thank you for joining us. Um uh, you're very welcome. Nice to catch up with you guys. Yeah, and you. And last but not least, Steve Rutter, thank you very much for joining us, Steve. Again, with your your educated and um, thoughtful dialogue. It's always useful for the show. Keeps us ticking along. Is that also where I say that me and Hilda are not educated? Yes, of course it is. <laughs> I was waiting for you to pick up on it, really. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that point we will say good night everybody it's been a pleasure talking to you the heart is a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room You've been listening to... OK, 
can't believe it. Football, bloody hell. <laughs>